0: Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Hockey Journey Podcast. Episode 108, The Pitlick Family Hockey Journey, Part 2. Presented to you by OnlineHockeyTraining.com. I'm your host, Coach Lance Pitlick. If you're new here, please make sure you subscribe so you won't miss out on any future episodes. Before we head on over to the Wonka Chocolate Factory, take a tour, and then begin this conversation, if you want to learn more about me, my hockey experiences, what I know, and most importantly, how I've been helping hockey players get really good with a stick and puck, just head on over to OnlineHockeyTraining.com, that's OnlineHockeyTraining.com, and gain instant access to my 10-part video series where I'll show you everything. Consider it my gift to you. Lastly, if you live in Minnesota or are visiting the state of hockey sometime soon and you want to schedule an in-person off-ice stick skills lesson, I'd love to have the opportunity to show you my little world. Go to SweetHockeyCoach.com, that's SweetHockeyCoach.com, and watch the video on the homepage for instructions. Thanks, and I look forward to working with you sometime soon. Hello again, everyone, especially you out there who have kids that no longer live with you. This is a great day for me as I get to spend the next hour or so with my oldest son, Rem, as he's the next guest on the Hockey Journey podcast. We recently experimented with bringing the whole Pitlick crew on the show, uh, sharing some of our family hockey journey. And apparently a few of you out there liked the episode. So here is our swing at part two of the Pitlick family hockey journey. Remmer, welcome back to the Hockey Journey podcast.
1: Your intros are great. It's good to be back. Thank you for having me.
0: (laughs) <laughs> no one knows that that intro took me nine hours to <laughs> put together now. I, I, I spent some time doing it. Uh, thank you. Um, so here's what's going to happen for this episode. Uh, I don't want to get too rigid with a script, Remmer, because I really enjoyed part one uh, with uh, you, Rhett, Mom, Kayla, and Megan. Uh, and again, congratulations to you and Kayla on your engagement. That, mm-hmm. uh, Thanks. Thanks. Another hand to work the farm. We love it. <laughs> so, uh, no, we're excited to have her uh, and excited for you guys. So mm-hmm. here's the semi-outline for today. And to be honest with you, it's kind. it was kind of thrown in my lap unexpectedly as I was trying to figure this episode out, both of us. Uh, a number of the lessons I've recently had with players and parents, um, they've had questions for me like, where should I play? I got one kid that's down at Shattuck and, uh, you know, he might want to go back to high school and be with his buddies uh, to play up a level or to stay at your uh, current one. Uh, what to do from a training, improving perspective, uh, nutrition, and, you know, finding mentors and master coaches. And that's a few of the things. So I just figured why don't I just ask you uh, less thinking on my part? <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of how I want to go. But I, I know that you've, you've uh, put together a, an amazing team um, around you, surrounded yourself with some really uh, powerful and uh, educated and just passionate people that are, are, are helping others. Uh, so we're going to get to that. But are you cool with it? Just uh, you know, let's just take a swing at this and see where it goes.
1: Yeah, I absolutely love it. And just a few touching points. I think it's really good timing because uh, just this morning, uh, one of my one of my mentors, um, if we're going to use that language for this podcast, uh, my Pee Wee coach, John Maruk, uh, he invited me out to go skate with his Blades team. And it's just it's just so interesting, um, just the cycle of life and how different things are. But it was just so much fun to be. With the guys out there i should say the kids (laughs) (laughs) kids um it it was just so much fun and at the beginning of practice you know he had me stand in front of the team and just you know share some things that have been valuable in my life and it's just kind of funny that here we are talking about it again so um i I wanted to bring that up and also just kind of expanding back to you know us being on the family podcast last week or whatever it was it's just so interesting how i think that the intention is for all these podcasts is to share you know you call it the hockey journey podcast um, and I think that's first and foremost. We want to be able to to help people, and you know, the same quote that I feel like flows in a lot of our heads is, you know, if if I only knew now, right? What 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 is it? How how does it go? If I knew back then what I know now, how much different would life be? So I feel like we're just trying to, you know, share all the little bits and pieces that we would have wished we we wish we would have known back then. Now I keep getting it backwards, but I think everyone can get my drift. Um, <laughs> So, and I just kind of felt like last time when we were talking as a family, it was so cool to just like, it, at different moments in the podcast, it all of a sudden felt like it wasn't for other people. It was like, I had my own learning talking to you guys, because there's just different stories or different connections of stories that I was like, I was getting my own like therapy learning session. So it was really cool. Um, yeah, it, it just that fine balance between sharing and also kind of like learning for ourselves. So, and, and lastly... Just, it, you know, as I get on here a little bit more with you, it, it's kind of fun to to find my voice in it because, you know, there's there's so many different ways to talk you, you want to talk to someone who has experiences. But then we're like talking to each other as like learning from each other. So hopefully people can resonate with really you and I just start talking as dad and son and, you know, hopefully people learn off it. But it's just you and I having a conversation on a Saturday afternoon. So I'm excited. And thanks for having me back on.
0: Yeah, I am, too. Anytime I get to spend time with the fam, I love it. Uh, and yeah. you know, really, it's there's no book out there. I mean, you know, back when you were just starting out in in hockey and sports, you know, we were just experimenting. You know, the internet was still in its infancy, uh, so there wasn't a, there wasn't a lot of you know where you could go and find information on how to you know navigate if your kid's really into hockey. Uh, so yeah, I think we're we're just trying to tell some stories of, of what happened to us. We're not giving any advice. We're just, here's what we did and it might work for you. It might not there, you know, there's all kinds of paths to get to, to get to where you're going. So, mm-hmm. um, let's begin. All right, let's do this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you were born in Ottawa where, mm-hmm. where I played and then we headed down to South Florida for three seasons. Mm-hmm. what, what, what do you remember about me playing in the NHL and being in Ottawa? If you remember that and down in Florida, what are some memories from that? I mean, I
1: think it was just, I think it was just like, honestly, good vibes. Like i I know that you and mom really enjoyed your time in Ottawa and I know you enjoy your time in Florida as well. Um, in Florida, I know that, you know, there's different things where, you know, some things weren't going as well for you personally, but I know that you always had a positive attitude, but I know, um in ottawa it seems from the stories that you and mom told me and also diff- just different reporters or people i've been around um in the nhl talking about who you were in ottawa and people liking your style i think just overall my memories are like oh my, my dad is pretty cool like you know he plays in the nhl and he's just not from anything other than like you know just a cool dude like pretty broad generic but it was, it was just like a, i felt like i was brought up in a really positive environment and there was positive connections to hockey that's that's really all that kind of comes to my mind
0: not Batman or Spider Man. Well, I thought you were kinda of, I
1: thought you were kinda of like asking me specifically about hockey, but I think, you know, if we're gonna go all the way back I'm like the earlier memories are more so uh, in Florida, just with our neighbors Julie and Jessica and how I was just playing outside all the time. I did have a stick in my hands all the time. At the time in, in Florida, I did I remember having a few skating lessons that I did not enjoy. And, uh, so it wasn't really like fun hockey memories on the ice, but it was more fun hockey memories in the garage. I remember just having that stick and whacking around a ball and the neighbors, Julie and Jessica, we'd just always be playing outside with sticks and whatever. So, um, again, still, still really broad memories, but just playing with the neighbors pretty much.
0: Yeah. And let's give a little shout out to some people in Ottawa. I mean, Don and Nancy Folsom, you don't remember, but they were a big part of your life and their family. Uh, uh, we got Carla, and and Paul, Carla's your your godmother, um, you know they they spent a lot of time uh, with you and they helped us both those families. You know when I was on the road, they they looked after you and uh, mom and uh, had all kinds of fun things there. Uh, you when when you were down in Florida, yes, I tried to introduce uh, hockey to you, but. You know, it, it was it was painful. You had no interest in it because none of your buddies down there that we'd get together and go to the park with played hockey, so you had no interest in it. Uh, we moved back to Minnesota. Um, how did how did the how did that happen? You know, where where you had that ignition where all of a sudden, all right, I want to I want to you know try hockey. Uh, I, I kind of forced you into it, but then something happened where all of a sudden you became pretty passionate about it. You, you know, talk a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, I I will. And just to go back quickly to the beginning, Florida and Ottawa and the vibe, all that stuff. Like I I obviously know who Todd and Nancy and and Godmother Carla are now as I've gotten to know them and, you know, getting older and different things like that. And I think that overall plays into like the, the nice fond memories that I had because I still, you know, more so Godmother Carla, I keep in contact like she's texting me right now. And during the season, you know, we talked because she'd come to my games in Ottawa. So, yeah, it's just cool, all these different memories and people that have supported us and helped us in both ways. Uh, super cool. And to get on to your next question, how how did it really start? I don't remember you ever, like, um, forcing anything on me. I think it's just kind of, like, natural. My dad was an NHL player. Why would I not kind of go down a similar path, especially mom being a, a gymnast, a very high-level gymnast? Like, I, I feel like the athlete gene is definitely in the family. And it just happens so naturally and that comes back to i believe you and mom where you know if we touched on it in the last podcast the family podcast you and mom were super intentional with how you chose certain things in our life like you chose our house because mom told me that you guys were driving around in neighborhoods trying to find a new house and you saw kids playing in the in the cul-de-sac and then you guys saw a house by a pond and you guys said okay i see a pond and i see kids and i feel like that's just how it started it just Flowed effortlessly. And I feel like I just really started to gravitate towards hockey because that's what Mitchell and Carter were doing in the neighborhood. And we would always play street hockey, rollerblade hockey. And then they were playing hockey. And then we kind of just got involved with each other. I was on there. I played a year older with them. And I think it was just maybe from a little bit of like, uh, I wanted to keep up. They were older than me. um, And I just wanted to be around them. They were older. They were cooler. And I wanted to to chill out with them. And so it just kind of came to us playing all the time. And I. Ended up really just liking it a lot more, uh, as you said in Florida. I feel like I didn't have all those people around me that were, you know, necessarily playing hockey all the time. Um, and you've always said, for us growing up as kids, you become the people that you spend the most time around, and they were always playing hockey, so I was playing hockey too, and I really enjoyed being with them. So,
0: yeah, when we first moved into this neighborhood, they were in a cul-de-sac, and we were on a bike ride, I think, and they were. Rollerblading, I think, in the cul de sac. And that was the instant connection. All of a sudden. Yeah, that's uh, what I said. Know, yeah. I know. I mean, it, it, it was pretty cool. And they became lifelong friends. I mean, we spent a lot of time with them. So um, I coached you uh, a lot, you know, through a lot of your youth. Um, did you ever not want me to be your coach? <laughs> you know, cause-
1: no, I, Rhett and I were literally just talking about this like a week ago at dinner how we, we wanted you to coach us more. We felt like you really, I mean, good guy alert. You always, I feel like there's always that, that bias, you know, parents want to help out their kids. Everyone has like the mom and dad goggles on for their kids. Your kid's the best. Your kid is this or that. And then if you're not mom and dad, like, now all of a sudden the personal bias kind of slips off you. There was no personal bias. You almost gave us less attention to the other kids uh, than the other kids. And, I mean, <laughs> we definitely got our development, but I feel like Rhett and I really wanted more. And I know you were really thoughtful with how you did it, and I feel like you were very um, careful with stepping in too much, but you made sure that we were getting taken care of by having the other coaches talk to us and different things. So you made sure we were taken care of in a, in a different way. But, you know, Rhett and I knew you had a very successful NHL career, and the value that you bring, I think that we won a little bit more. So to answer your question, absolutely not. I was not sick of it ever.
0: <laughs> we're good. I mean, I remember then- you,
1: I, I remember, I remember like when uh, in seventh grade, um, you know, you started to coach Rhett's team a little bit more because you felt like, you know, you were with me my entire life. And then as Rhett started to get older, it was only kind of fair that you would get the same kind of um, exposure to you as a coach. And then you felt like Mr. Dornbach, Mr. Judding, Mr. Zimmer, um, our Blades coaches, our summer hockey coaches at the time you know, they would take over the team and you went and helped out with Red's blades team. That that was hard for me. Um, I, I really missed having you there. Not that I didn't have just as much fun with those other coaches, but you definitely bring your own unique thing and your own unique knowledge. And the fun factor I, I do believe is a little bit higher when you're around. So I missed it a lot.
0: Well, thank you. I mean, I, I don't think we've ever said that to me, but uh, that's awesome. And I, I know that, that, that was a stinger, but yes, I, I, um, I also knew that the commitment, you know, that's needed by coaches in, you know, I, I, couldn't give Rhett the same experience that you had and the, the players that, you know, your teammates had, if, if I was coaching both teams, cause it, it, it's pretty demanding. And I, you know, if you're going to be a, a, a head coach uh, you know, it's not, it's not about your kid. And I, very early, I, I, I saw uh, parent coaches that just focused on their kids. And, you know, it's, you you just can't do that if you're, you're going to be a coach and to, you know, do it all for the right reasons. So I, I, uh, I certainly enjoyed, uh, being on the bench with you, uh, during those times with both you guys, but I'm certainly, um, it's nice now after a 17 year coaching career where I can, uh, just watch you guys as a, a parent and not as a coach and, And to what you always hoped is that, you know, that I I would be a hundred percent focused on you. And now I get to do that because I'm not coaching uh, teams anymore. So sorry about that. Did the best I could.
1: (laughs) No, I know it was, it was such an amazing time. And I, you know, I I feel like I've triple, triple lucky, double lucky, however many times I'm so grateful for so many people, but, you know, I feel like we're probably going to get into some talks about the mentors in this conversation. And really what it is, is, is someone that, you know, for the right reasons is looking out for you. And I Rhett and I are very lucky that you did care a lot about us and you had so much knowledge based on your direct experience in the NHL and then your studies as you got done playing. And then I got lucky once, you know, even as hard as it was when you had uh, left and started to coach at more, I got lucky because, you know, my best friend, Casey Dornbach, uh, his dad, Greg Dornbach, uh, I feel like he was kind of, you know, he really stepped into that even more, Even, even when you were there, um, you know, he I feel like he always took care of me. I was actually just like messing around watching like our old brick highlight tape because I was cleaning out my room and we found that and so I was watching it again. And in the highlight video there was literally like a, a little section where the whole team was walking out and for some reason I was behind everyone and the refs walked out, and then it was just Mr. Dornbach and I walking out and he literally had his arm around me like talking to me before the game. So I got lucky when you left. I, I had someone there that, you know, made sure that I was looked at and cared for. Not that he did he did that to everyone, but I think we all have those people in our lives that, you know, make sure there's maybe a little bit of extra there. And yeah. I felt like I always got that and super grateful.
0: That's awesome. Well, you, you mentioned the brick tournament, uh, you know, talk about uh, briefly the, the most memorable tournaments that you were in. Cause I know there's a handful of them and the bricks, one of them.
1: Yeah. I, I honestly, I still think the brick is my favorite hockey memory of my life over playing in the NHL over anything. <laughs> not even close, honestly. Yeah. That's, um,
0: I've, I've heard uh, other NHL players uh, say the same thing, that that's a memory that is just etched in their, uh, in their brain. Wow. Cool. Yeah. I mean,
1: I, I feel like as a there's just, I don't know, you're just a kid. Like you don't have any other like extra noise in your head at times. I, I think as you grow older, sometimes you realize that there's some noise there where as a kid, you didn't have that type of noise and just, I don't know, like sensory overload. It was so fun. There's a water park there, there's a roller coaster, there's the amusement park you're staying in a hotel in the mall, you're playing in front of the entire mall, a hockey rink in the mall against all the best kids when you're 10 years old and you're treated like the NHL and all that stuff. It was just super cool. Um amazing. And I had so much fun.
0: How about uh, obviously before- you're
1: with your buddies, your your best friends, so.
0: Yeah. I mean, you're in a mall for for a week. I mean, the Brick tournament is is unbelievable, and you were lucky to play in it twice. You played as an mm-hmm. underage. Uh, another one for me as a coach was uh, the Fargo tournament. Um, yeah, we had a couple of good runs there where you, uh, we won in the championship one year and we lost in the championship the second year. So it was uh, that was a pretty uh, well done tournament as well. Yeah, any other tournaments yeah, that you that remember? Was...
1: Um... I mean, they're all fun, but there's nothing that sticks out like the brick. On it. no, not even yeah. close, in my opinion. We didn't get we didn't get to play in that Wee Quebec tournament, um, which was a was a was a big one. But uh, so I don't know that experience. I know some people will say that the Wee Quebec is is cooler and more fun than the brick, but I didn't get to experience it, so not anything against that. But the brick is by far my number one.
0: So <laughs> yeah, uh, one the one th- memory that just popped into my head. And this is about being a kid and enjoying it. So your second year, our Blades team made it to the championship game. And they have a – the night before the championship game, they have uh, a big beach uh, festival in the water park, uh, you know, where everyone just hangs out and has fun and screwing around. We didn't want to participate in that because we're (laughs) we're going to win a a championship. And the the organizers got so mad at us coaches – and we basically finally just uh, came to the conclusion that we were, you know, yeah, you guys are 10-year-olds and you need to have some fun and uh, everyone's going to be there. So we're not getting an advantage or a disadvantage. And we did that. Do you remember that at all?
1: I don't – we actually did that. I don't remember.
0: Yeah, we went there. We went to the water park. I don't think we stayed long. Oh, we yeah,
1: I think – I do remember. It was quick. We didn't swim. It was it was like a, a high bye. I do remember that, yeah.
0: And then, uh, it paid off because we got thumped <laughs> yeah. by the Vancouver Vipers the next yeah. day in the championship game. The yeah, but, uh,
1: but I mean, I think at the end of the day, all the little lessons that you taught us, I mean, really what you were doing, it wasn't, it was, it wasn't robbing us of fun. It was just like, kind of like compartmentalizing, like time and place for everything. And just like, our focus was to win. We wanted to win. We were having fun and we were having fun the whole time. We didn't need a water park to have fun. We went the next
0: day anyway. So, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Okay. Uh, I got, I got some questions. We're going to start bouncing around a little bit and then I, I want to get to, to, you know, to talk at the end here about uh, the team of people that you've brought into your life to uh, just give you the best opportunity to, to be the best human being you can and be the best hockey player you can. So uh, an old coach of yours, Chad Nelson uh, wants to know at what age did you know that hockey, Was going to be your thing and that uh, you were going all in on it
1: oh so this is the rapid fire section of the podcast
0: well we're we're just i don't know we're gonna bounce around here
1: yeah um when did i when did i know honestly i think that two moving points in my hockey I, i always i always loved it like i did uh with the pond hockey and everything but the two memories where i was like oh i want to do something about this was when you took me over to Mark Parrish's house, and I just remember like being at his house, and I don't know. He was just a really good vibe, and I was playing Xbox upstairs, playing NHL in his in his house, and his house was nice. He, you know, just different team pictures and just the overall vibe. Like I feel like that was like a moment where I was like, "Wow, I want to be like Mark Parrish." And then, um, and Mark Parrish
0: the... was a teammate of mine down uh, in Florida, had a very successful hockey career, and. We just ended up uh, not by any, you know, we didn't talk about it, but we ended up being neighbors, like two doors down from each other. Uh, So, yeah. Okay, go on. Sorry. Yeah, that's why
1: I kind of opened up the podcast by saying, like, we're literally just having a talk on Saturday afternoon. So, yeah, yeah, I kind of just forgot that there's an audience here, and and good job kind of explaining who he is. Um, And then uh, I I would say the Brick Tournament, that second year. Well, actually, as you said, I played in there two years, and – um, the first year, our team didn't do very good. I was really a non-factor, and it was just so much fun. And then the second year, um, I ended up doing pretty good stats-wise at the tournament, and our team did better. And that's when, like, I was like, "Wow!" One year to the next, like, there was a monumental change in the the performance of the team, but the performance is me as of a, of me as an individual. And I feel like I was like, "Wow!" If I actually put something into us and fo- into this and focus my mind. Um, you can see changes and um, just to kind of backtrack a little bit. I mean, that was, I, I don't know. What did you kind of learn based off going there that? Cause you came that first year with me, dad, did you learn a lot? And then that's kind of how you went about planning for the next year? Because I just remember what it felt like being on the first year um, as an underager. Then when I was back with my same age, 97 birth year, because I played with the 96s and I played with my birth year, the following year, the 97s, there was there was structure, there was a plan and there was fun and all of it. And we were practicing with sweatshirts on, um, you know, in our practices because you're playing in the middle of the mall and there's like a sunroof. So it's super hot. And I feel like you took all these experiences and then helped us kind of implement those to be more prepared the second year. So Um, did you have, is that what you did? Like once you saw it the first year, you changed some things. And then I feel like that by you changing all those things and helping us we all saw like big changes in our play. Is that what happened?
0: Yeah. Well, Greg, Greg, you mentioned Greg Dornbach, uh, you know, he was a great mentor for me uh, just cause I didn't have any coaching experience when I started. Um, but we took that, there was a, something happened where there was a, the coach left, you know, cause of personal reasons right before a couple months before the tournament. So we got asked to play and, or to coach it and, That was what we did is we went there and from the moment that we started practicing with the team, we were always taking notes. And then when we went there, um, how could we best prepare, you know, for the the team for the following year, you know, on what we learned. And, you know, it was hot in there. So, yeah, we're going to wear sweatshirts and turtlenecks. And and you guys were just, (laughs) I remember the first day we did it, uh, man, that was everyone's grabbing their shirt neck and they're like, holy cow. But uh, yeah, so that's what we did. And, you know, um, I was never a tactical coach. That's why I was grateful for, for coach Dornbach and jutting and Zimmer at that level. But, uh, you know, I, I was all about, uh, you know, the fun the preparation, fact, right? the skill, and, you know, you're going to be doing the same thing over and over for a long time. If, you know, if you're lucky to play college and pass that, that, you have to make it fun. If it's not fun, you're not going to be able to sustain the motivation to keep, you know, reaching for it week after week. Um, So yeah, that was a fun tournament, but a lot of great memories. We didn't win it. uh, You know, but it was funny that when, you know, I don't, I don't think I ever told you this, but when I made the switch from not coaching the 97s anymore and went down to the old ones with Rhett, is that the first time that I got in the car with him when we were going to the blades practice, I said, well, next four years, you and I are going to be hanging a lot together.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And we did. Yeah. So
0: yeah, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. So, um, got well, question. one
1: more thing just to touch on. I know we, are going to get to the next question. Yeah, It's Saturday afternoon. We have nowhere to be so we can make this as long as we want, but, yes. um, just to, yeah, it's, it's interesting, like, the nice blend of the personalities for you guys as the coaches. As you said, your skills, the preparation, um, and and the fun factor. And I feel like you just did such a great job of balancing that. I remember when we'd go to practice, like, Casey and I would always be like, oh, my gosh, we got to – we're going to have to do skills for 45 minutes. We just got to get through these 45 minutes, but we know we're going to get to play games at the end of practice. Cause you know, I'd always want to say, dad, like let's play competition. Let's do two on ones. Let's do one-on-ones. Let's play cross ice. Let's just play games, like have fun. And I feel, I really appreciate the way that you went about making sure that we were like, it's not about not having fun. It's just kind of doing the things that, you know, at the time, maybe don't seem as fun. Like we didn't like skating up and down the ice, like working on our dribbling, working on our footwork. But in the long run, it made things a lot more fun because you helped us develop as players. And then when we're all developed and we're playing better and we're winning games and we're all having personal success, like it's more fun. And I just think you did a great job of just somehow chilling us kids out, you know, saying, oh, you want to play games? And you, you had us do the skills and then we get the game. So you did a great job of the the tactics and uh, the blend of the fun. So thank you for that. And I really thank you for that before.
0: Oh, thank you. Yeah, no, I, uh, you know, I have a few businesses. We, Your mom and I had a few businesses going when you guys were in youth hockey. And uh, the one thing that came first and foremost was the practice plan. That's the first thing I did every day. And then yeah. I would get to work and do that stuff. But I, uh, I had two fears yeah, being a coach. And that was I, I sharpened skates was, and I'd bring a sharpener to tournaments when we were on the road because I didn't trust parents you get a couple beers in them after the first game and go sharpen their skates. Oh, okay. We'll do that. So we just, I'd bring the sharpener and then all the parents and kids would drop off their kids skates and I'd sharpen that. But I had a, I had a fear of sharpening, you know, kids skates and they didn't uh, work when we got in there and we had a few episodes <laughs> where that happened. Um, and then the other was, uh, going into a practice without a written plan. Well, I, that I, it, I would freak out and it never happened. You know, I'd stay. Didn't
1: your, your level of professionalism, my whole life watching you has been 1%. It's been, yeah, I, I, that's, that's something that I carry with me. I always kind of will remember how you conducted yourself and you were never not prepared ever.
0: Well, thank you. And that was just out of fear. (laughs) i'm trying to figure out
1: how i want to phrase this because there's so many different angles and stories and things that how i want to ask it but so maybe i'll go at that Rhett and i have different personalities for sure and not one is right or wrong or whatever but i feel like him and i um we're always kind of pushing and pulling on the the fun factor the flow factor and and that kind of complementing the the structure um the plan the yeah, that that those kind of like two elements. Um, and I feel like if we all look around in society today, I don't know all the words. Baby boomer, millennial, all those, whatever those words. And all these different types of personalities that are kind of like coming with society as it changes with more technology, the AI, all this different stuff. And when I look around in the, the sports world and just different training things, people have sent me like, hey, look at this nutrition lady who focuses on meal prep for pro athletes, or now there's a new gym opening up by New Hope, and it's all about being the authentic athlete. And there's, like, all the buzzwords are being thrown around, but, like, I feel like there's more of an emphasis on, like, finding your authentic self, your flow, um, finding, like, kind of doing what feels right, like, tuning into your body. If this doesn't feel right, don't do it. You know, your feelings are the the guide. And then there's also, like, that kind of that old-school mentality where it's, like, Put your head down and just go to work and get your stuff done. And it doesn't matter how you feel. You just got to show up and consistently do it and do it and do it. So my question to you is that I, I feel like you have a balance of both those things in your life. I think you're a you're a feeling guy with strong intuition, but you're also a very professional, structured man. So to kind of give people more context with what I'm trying to ask here, every single week, my brother and I, Rhett, um, we, we have skills coaches here. in in minnesota that we skate with we skate five times a week but two of the five days during the week we rhett and i discussed how we want to have two ice sessions where it's literally just him and i we don't want any coaches there we don't want any other players there it's just for him and i to literally have no structure and work on our game but within that no structure we kind of have our plan and rhett and i get out there i'm like okay well how do we balance doing the drills that we like that feel good that we're good at versus like going into the areas and doing the things that we don't think we're as good at or are really hard to focus on getting better at because we just don't feel that those are strengths in our game. So my question is how how do you balance, even in your personal life or as a player, that fine line between like knowing when this is like hard, but I need to work through this versus this is hard and like the feeling of this like being too difficult is like actually a sign from myself that I don't want to do this. Like, this isn't for me right now. Do you get what I'm asking?
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I guess when I was going through it as a player, I always remember if it sucks, it's probably good for you. <laughs> that's what it's a long way from your heart. Start doing it. You yeah, know, I get that. See,
1: and see, that's, that's too old school for me, yeah, but I, I, know. I, I can see the, I can see kind of like the knowledge and wisdom in that. I guess maybe, to make a little bit more sense for any potential listeners, I feel like there's so many different ideas and knowledge about, for example, nutrition. Like I, I've been around a lot of trainers growing up that used to say, like, you know, it's all about g- gaining weight. And like when you're hungry, eat. And then if when you feel like you're full, keep eating and like get through that, that pain of like being full and like almost like overeating. And as I've learned more about health and nutrition, I kind of started to teeter more on the side of like, pay attention to your body signs. Like, Oh, like I'm feeling full. Like that's literally a sign for my body. Like, stop. This would not be a time and place for me to push through the discomfort for me. This would be a time and place to like, Oh, I'm going to stop. So I don't know if there's really an answer, but I, I mean, I get, I think you are old school in that way where you just like put your head down and keep going.
0: Oh, um, there's that's, something that's my
1: vibe, but <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, like, explain.
0: Yeah. there's. there's I'm somebody... actually
1: trying to ask this for myself.
0: Yeah. So for me, I guess uh, the one thing, When it came to reading my body, okay, I knew when I could play and I knew when I couldn't practice, you know, when I could play through something. So that was recognizing, and that was through a lot of experience, you know. I started out being the bull, you know, that growing is a long way from your heart. Get out there and push it. But, Mm -hmm. you know, instead of being out a couple days, uh, I'd be out a couple weeks. And then when I started reading my body and listening to it, when I would have a flare up in my groin or my hip flexor or whatever, uh, I would, you know, say I couldn't practice the, you know, that day. And uh, that time off, I could, you know, be back in there. So that that's one thing where I wasn't, you know, it took me a while, but I was old school and then it wasn't. And then the other was, you know, for, for so long, you know, we are influenced. I mean, as a, as a kid, your parents are your biggest influences and, Mm -hmm. you know, we try to guide you and stuff like that. But even in today, today, it's never easier to consume uh, information and try to, to better yourself, but knowledge is power. And I think, uh, you know, if, if that was back then, you know, when I was a player, would I take advantage of that, you know, the internet and learning more? Yes. And, you know, let's say for example, I would, uh, Ottawa would give us, you know, they'd bring in some nutritionists and I didn't study nutrition and they said to do this, that, and the other thing I would do this, that, and the other thing now, you know, with everything that's out there and the the ability to, to consume, uh, information and, you know, it's, it's amazing how many people are putting <clears throat> their passions and their knowledge out there. Um, I think it would be different. So I, um, I think you guys are lucky, you know, people today, the players today to, that you can, uh, A, that there's people that are, you know, at the top of the mountain, at whatever sector they're in, but they're willing to share their story. Um, and then we can consume that and then take parts of it and make it our own um, and just kind of massage through it. And uh, before you know it, you, you, you got your day you know, that, you know, how you Mm -hmm. operate and what's important to you. Uh, But it takes, it takes some time to get there.
1: Yeah. And just to kind of close that out, um, you know, Neil had introduced me to a trainer from Switzerland that we both know, Benny Yeah, And uh, what was really interesting to me in um, the time that I had worked with him was that he, uh, his, I just remember he had like a cartoon drop or something. It was like some doctor standing in front of like a whole line of animals is there's like a lion there's an elephant there's um you know whatever what all the animals whatever yep. and then you know there's a there's a monkey there's a gorilla and the the artwork says like hey he's like the doctor's speaking to the elephant and the doctor asked the elephant please cr- climb the tree like the monkey and that was like benny's kind of whole thing is like focus on your strengths like um, that and and that's kind of what I'm getting at this old school versus this new school type thing like you know I, there's that balance like you know the elephant could very well say okay i'm gonna do everything i can to learn the skills and the tactics that the monkey has to climb this tree or the elephant can realize i'm maybe gonna like feel into myself and be myself and know that i'm an elephant i'm like nine times the size of this monkey i don't have hands like a monkey and i need to figure out a way to climb this tree by myself and you know what i'm not going to climb that tree because i'm just going to knock it down because i'm strong enough to knock it down you know there's all these different ways and i i, I just think that um you know, my, my vibe more so now, as I've been around so many people, is definitely like focusing on the strengths rather than the the things that aren't that are not as strong. I just feel like, um, no, that's just how I see life. I like to focus on it that way. And uh, I I thought Benny had a, a really cool explanation on that kind of stuff.
0: That's awesome, good stuff. Um, okay, I want to shift here, and we're just going to mm-hmm. keep progressing along. Here's a question yeah. from uh, Rod and Dalton Schwartz couple uh, dad and son that I trained. Um, this is something the dad always wanted to ask a second generation NHL or growing up as a hockey uh, playing son of an NHL player. Did you ever feel the pressure to perform? Zero. To, zero. To zero? Zero. Yeah.
1: Zero, for, zero from you. I think in a good way, I feel like it's that, that kind of like push and pull yin and yang, whatever you want to call it. I feel like, I actually got more of that from mom, but that's more of her personality. And, but I also felt balanced from you that, you know, you, you kind of relieve some of the pressure. I feel like at times I I need a little bit of that, um, you know, like let's go here. Um, And you, you, you guys did a very good job of kind of like, when was the right time to push? when was the the right time to pull? And at times you would, I feel like you were always there just to remind me, just to make sure I was giving my full effort. So it was never anything to do with performance. Um, It was more of the, the effort and, some of the the intangibles, actually, yeah, I feel like we could just go on tangents. I need to just answer these questions. But uh, I remember the only time that I ever, like, got heat or pressure from you is I remember um, we were playing in a game and some kid came down and shot a puck and, like, I blocked it and it hit my foot and I was, like, swearing out loud. I was, like, seventh grade and I, I just remember you running down the bench, like, whispering in my ear, like, if you do that again, you're out. Like, that's, I feel like you only, like, gave me pressure on the intangibles, um, more of the personality things or, or work ethic.
0: Interesting. Awesome. Okay. So I, I want to keep progressing here. Um, what, when did you, let's, let's get right to it. When did you kind of figure out that I, I need more people around me? I need, I need to, I need to get more information. I mean, cause I, like nutrition, uh, it's, it's <laughs> parents will, you know, can, uh, Resonate with this—that you know your mom and I were trying to introduce, um, you know, eating habits and just being aware of what you're putting in your mouth. And we weren't great when you we were back then, but um, we we were at least thinking about it. Um, mm-hmm. And you didn't—you you, you know—it was coming from mom and dad, so it it, it 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 didn't make sense to you. But when you got to the point where uh we thought that it was time to start introducing maybe some strength training. We put uh put you in a with a guy, um, who's the guy over at Hatrick? Uh Zach Rourke. Is that mm-hmm. who it was? Yeah. Um, and all of a sudden he's talking to you guys about or you about nutrition, and you're coming home saying, Mom and dad, you see how many calories are in this, or uh you're reading yeah. labels and stuff. So uh I know as a parent that um that you need to, the message, we want to give our kids all the the right messaging to, to be the best person, you know, but uh, sometimes when it comes from mom and dad, it, it goes in one ear out the other. Um, when did you start uh, seeking out uh, other, you know, mentors or master coaches and why?
1: Yeah, okay. Everyone be patient with me. This might be a long-winded one. But I, I, at the end of this, Dad, I think we should get through a, a few more of the other questions that people had. But yeah. to answer your question, um, that there's a lot of different points on this. I feel like, as I've said this so many times, I feel like I've been very blessed by the fact that you and Mom had so much personal success um, in your guys' sports. So I think that you guys learned a lot of lessons and passed that information, knowledge, and experience on to me with the hope that ultimately I would be able to, like, stand on your guys' shoulders. You guys always wanted better for Retin than yourselves, and you guys already had such a high level of personal success that I was like, well, we can take a little bit further. But as far as the mentors, I feel like you guys always introduced us to kind of, like, the best that was around. Um, you guys had your personal connections through your your athletic careers. So you – and the connections that you made after whatever – you guys always got us in front of people that already had, you know, high level of success in their field um, that were already, you know, just speaking about hockey, we're already working with NHL players. Like, you know, for example, like Barry Carn. he was working with all the NHL teams for skating coaches. And just honestly, I don't want to get into name dropping some people because I feel like there's so many people I don't want to forget everyone. The point I'm trying to make is that you guys always got us in front of high quality, high reputation, high experienced people. And then, When I started to, let me backtrack one more second. And I feel like it's because you always, you guys always told us as kids, you can become anything you want to become. Just be careful of who you spend the most time with and then find the people that if you want to achieve that in life, find that person that's already done it and go learn off them. So I think that you guys kind of had a framework of what you felt like we wanted to achieve and you would already like give us those people. And there was a shift in my life where it became a little bit more personalized because I feel like I had so many connections just because of you and mom, but those were you and mom's connections. And then, so it really, in my opinion started, um, when I was in college, I mentioned on the first podcast that I had like a weird little cough, congestion, kind of like immune thing. And that led me into reading Tom Brady's book. And, um, then that was, it was, it was honestly kind of more of a, like, um, a, a challenging moment that caused me to grow more personally. And, uh, yeah so just to backtrack one more second. I was actually reading a book this morning. I think the author author is somewhere from Mal- somewhere in Malaysia, so I think it's um you know he was using some terms that I think were um, of like an Indian type religion. so I don't know. my wording might not be perfect, so nobody get offended by that. but I think the words were more Indian. and basically the point of the conversation or the his teaching was that there's kind of two ways to learn and grow. There's through painful experiences or there's just from like awakening and like you know awakening could be you're around someone they say the answer to your problem because you're not even asking them the question but you might run into someone who's having a conversation about the exact problem or something that you're contemplating right in front of you like oh my gosh like that answer just came to me right there or in my case i was going through a challenging um, time with you know my immune system and so that that challenge led me to kind of like want to explore so yeah, it, it was through my own personal challenges. At certain times, I said I'm immune in college, and then also just to backtrack a little bit more, I had a major hip flexor injury um, when I was younger, and I got introduced to my current agent right now, Neil Sheehy. So it was through those challenging moments um, that really gravitated me to like finding a new thing, some new things for myself, and, and making my path a little bit more personal rather than um, just you and mom connections. And then kind of like lastly, when I you know, when I signed my first pro contract and I was making my own money, that was, you know, a time for me to be a little bit more independent and, you know, not just ask mom and dad for money. It was actually my time to like, okay, what am I going to spend my money on? And, um, that was kind of different learning time for me. Um, I really got to just like choose and no one could say no to me. Like, I'm just going to do what I want and see if it works. And, um, you know, at that time I went to my first NHL training camp and I had my first NHL game prior to that, all that stuff. And, you know, just exposed to a different world and based on different feelings that I had, I just felt like, you know, there's some certain things that I felt like I didn't have enough knowledge on and I wanted to go find those people. And you always told me to go find people who were the best at what they do or had a ton of experience in what they've done. And I feel like that's what I've done. Go find those people.
0: It is. And I, you know, I'll just share this because it's a, a kind of a cool nugget from a parent perspective, but I don't know what you signed for. Your signing bonus was like, let's, 200,000. You spent. No, it was not that much. <laughs> well, what was it? My well,
1: signing bonus is like two five.
0: Okay. Well, I exaggerate. Not a 90. Well, not, that,
1: that's, a, that's still, yes, that's a lot of money, but it's not 200,000.
0: <laughs> All right. Let's say, say 90,000. Um, what most people don't know uh, is that you spent every penny of that trying to self-improve, working with uh, all kinds of people who we're going to get to, Adam Oates, Paul Check, um, And I think that that's, you know, as a mom and dad, as a, as a parent, we were uh, very proud of you that you, you, you know, said, I'm going to invest in myself and I'm going all in on this. And, and that's the thing that, you know, I'm still trying to do. And I think a lot of people are, but is trying to identify all the puzzle pieces that are out there to make you the most optimized human being. Um, you know, that's kind that treats people with, uh, you know, respect and all that stuff. Um, and you went out and, you know, identified what those pieces were and found those people. And there was a number of them that aren't, aren't cheap, (laughs) you know, Uh, so hats off to you. And, um, you know, I just, it's, it's, it's so important to, to understand, you know, when I get a, when I get in front of a kid rem now, when I do lessons, you know, I ask them what they want, want to achieve. And you know, boys and girls, you know, I want to play college. I want to play in the Olympics. I want to play in the NHL. Um, and then I start asking them, you know, what are you doing? And, you know, specific questions and, almost all of them, their actions don't line up with their desires. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's kind of a pivotal moment in in my relationship with players that I I train. I hope that, that, you know, it opens their eyes, but for you, um, where did, where did, besides mom and dad, you know, how did you uh, identify all these puzzle pieces? Because, um, you know, I wasn't even aware of some of the, the stuff that you were seeking out. And, you know, how did that come to you? Yeah.
1: That's a, yeah. Though, again, you're going to just make me ramble. You're not going to make me, but I'm going to be rambling a lot. There's a lot of different connections, thoughts, and stories. But uh, just to go back to a second, what you were talking with, you know, the kids that you train, I just feel like you and mom always just somehow got it across to me that, like, what what are you doing in this life? if you're not putting your best effort in to achieving what you want to achieve and then doing your best to be a good person along the way. So going back to your comments about money, like I, I never second guessed anything about spending. It's okay. I want to do what I want. I want to achieve this certain level of success and make it to the NHL and some of these certain things. And at the time I wasn't, you know, I, I still want more. Um, but at that time where I was um, making that certain level of money in the minors, like I, I was like, okay, well, I, don't, I don't care. Like, I'm just going to spend all until maybe I can get to the NHL. And that was my mentality. And I didn't really have a strategy. It was just completely off feel, but, um, you know, to, to find my people, I I think it's really not that much of a complex process because you and mom always just said, like, find the people that have done what you want to do or find the people that are like, are in the best of your sector, whatever you want to achieve. And go find those people and you know with the internet you can find certain things so um I, I just went after those people and i identified people like adam Oates. he was a he was a hall of famer and he's coaching people and all the people that he's coaching are a lot of them are superstars in the nhl so there is a star hockey player coaching star players and he's a great guy so i'm gonna go work with him and then more on the the health and healing side just Uh, you know, back to the first podcast with, with all of us as a family, mom always had this way of doing things and it was, you know, take one opinion and then go ask someone else's opinion. And I felt like there wasn't, I wasn't meeting some of my goals with just like conventional doctors or different things like that. And so I feel like it was just part of what I was doing to have to like search more. And once I started to listen to different people I found Paul check through Casey Dornbach, and when I would listen to Paul on the podcast and how he talked, how he articulated things, it wasn't anything other than like I just I just felt like what he was saying was true. It just felt like it was truth for my story, and that's why I gravitated towards him and, and some of the stuff that Paul talks about is a little bit out there, and the reason why I still go see Paul and talk to Paul is because his kind of like voodoo woo-woo stuff to me is grounded with his level of worldly success. Um, he's been around so many high quality athletes, business people and corporations. And I, I just think that sometimes earthly success is valuable to me. And then, you know, my personal belief systems, I don't think that everything has to do with success. And I, I really liked that he was a, a passionate studier of world religions. And I, I think that's a, that's a really cool touch, which, which to me re- represents, you know, treating people the way you want to be treated and being a good guy. So I feel like I'm always kind of filtering different people that i want to gravitate to based on you know are they a good guy and what's their experience and their credibility level are they successful in their field have they been around people are who are successful and, and again to re- reiterate do i vibe with them are they a good person and um yeah and, and just to kind of add one more thing in this going back to my kind of unique ways of finding people that were more like based on my connections versus like the people that you and mom had already brought to me it's, it's kind of interesting and fun to feel that you know i've went out and found people but then all of a sudden i'm at certain phases of my life right now where i'm coming back to people that you guys have already introduced me to so it's not always it's not for me it's not always out there but it's not always here either it's like you know i there's people that are in my backyard that are you know they meet my needs but at times like i might need to go search out there so it's that i feel like i'm always kind of like that that push and pull you know you know, aware of where am I at in my life and what do I need right now? And do I have a connection? Do I, do I need to find this connection? So that was a little bit long winded, but that's, that's some of the stuff that I'm kind of thinking about to answer that question.
0: That's awesome. Um, We could do this for like a week, but uh, (laughs) I like (laughs) to talk a lot too. (laughs) No, I, you know what, Ram, I, I just like, our intention is just to try to, you know, help any other hockey family or a hockey player Um, navigate through this, this journey uh, with a little more knowledge and information. And, you know, maybe you don't have to, you know, go, go down a rocky road when you don't have to, but you know, it's, we're going to have that at some point. Um, All right. So we're getting close to an hour. You know, I like to keep around an hour and this, this means we can go, we
1: can go to, we can go to an hour and a half. Relax. I know we can. I'm having fun. I'm having fun. You're the fun factor guy. Let's go.
0: I really, Okay, yeah all right what are we talking yeah.
1: about next? I don't know what are we talking about? do we have more questions <laughs> to answer or or I'll go gotta, I mean, yeah I mean just to, to, just to kind of like go back, I, I feel like I've always like honestly all the people that I feel like I talk to are weird, and <laughs> for some reason I like weird <laughs> I don't know what it is like we're you know you're gonna be posting an episode with Troy Casey, but um you know when I really look back to it, I think mom's weird we were going to a conventional doctor's office and i I don't know she's like this isn't enough we're gonna go see this doctor in saint paul he literally used to like use this plastic little tub and like um breathe air on it and then rub it and he'd be like put it over my body like i need to adjust you there i'm like what are you talking about right now like you are weird (laughs) and i think about you you were a, a physical defenseman who played a certain way and then all of a sudden what you're gonna be teaching skills like that's weird, but you decaded <laughs> yourself. And I, I can just go down the gauntlet of all the people. Like one of, my, one of my favorite people ever in this world, Scott Brokaw. He never played a game of hockey in his life, um, but I still train with him. I don't know what it is. He's just got something. He's got it. I like to be around him. I mean, the list goes on. I think about my, my hip flexor injury. Um, I, was, I wasn't getting results, and all of a sudden Casey introduced me to Neil Sheehy, my agent, And he's sticking his thumb in my mouth, massaging the roof of my mouth. And he goes, he says, go see this doctor that costs like 80 bucks a session. And all he does is like, literally, it's the sensation of a flick on your body. And what? My hip flexor injuries are literally gone. That's weird. But it just, it kind of like did something for me. (laughs) And all of a sudden, I mean, the list goes, I'm just going to keep talking. I feel like, who else? Um, Honestly, Adam Oates. Adam Oates was a hall of famer. And he's had all that success in the NHL. And one of the stories that really got me that I thought this guy was cool was that, I know it's not hockey related, but it really tapped me into his mind. He t- he's really interested in this movement practice called Feldenkrais. And he told this story of when he was done playing hockey, he wanted to go on tour. Like he literally wanted to be a professional golfer. He's like, hey, um, I'm a Hall of Famer in the NHL. Like I got sweet hands. Like there's, there's no way I can't just like be a golfer. Like I got the nice hands. <laughs> and he couldn't figure it out. He, he like, wasn't a good golfer, what he said. He wasn't as good as he wanted to be to be on tour. And he did, he went through the whole gauntlet of all the tra- trainers. It was, like, um, the Pilates, the Bikram yoga. He actually went and saw Paul Check. He would – you'd have to ask him. He has the whole list of people. But then he said he found this movement practice called Feldenkrais. And he tells a story. He gets out of the car and he meets the practitioner in the parking lot. And he walks up to the practitioner. The guy's name is Jeff. Jeff Haller and Adam said that Jeff didn't say a word to him he just lunged at him and Adam was like whoa like what what and he like Adam flinched and without any greeting at all or anything Jeff goes it's your knee and Adam goes yes and from and that's where Adam said from that moment on I, I didn't really <laughs> maybe I don't know O'C has his way of doing things but he's like from that moment on I didn't listen to another person because that so is that, that so, weird
0: So you're saying that when he lunged at him he was looking and he identified that his knee was a problem. The way that
1: Otsie flinched at Jeff Haller's lunge gave Jeff Haller enough information to say your issue is your knee. I think it's his knee. I'm just kind of giving the theatrics of the story, but that's what happened in the story. And it was weird enough for Otsie to say, that was so weird that you did that. It was so amazing that you actually have the right answer. You're my guy. Yeah. Um, So that, and again, just keep going. Like, uh, you know, Paul check, Paul check, um, has had so much worldly success with all these athletes, as I said, and I keep referencing back to our past family podcast. But um, you know, he he had me go to one of his chiropractors, a Nuka chiropractor in California, and you know, he was sending Kobe Bryant there. And that that's not weird, right? Paul. But what I'm getting at, what is weird, is that Paul was a was a studier of world religions, and to me, I'm not saying that's weird, but that's that's different. People don't always dedicate their life to studying, studying world religions. A lot of no. people are still studying how can I be successful in business and make as much money as I can. I thought that was a very nice touch. And it, and it connects me to, you know, Rhett and different people that I've had in my life. Um, you know, another chiropractor, Jared Aschendorf. um, just different people talking about their beliefs in Jesus. And I, I believe in Jesus and these different things. Like I feel like I always just like stories that aren't different for the sake of being different. But... They just—I don't know—they just feel like real. That, that's kind of what I'm getting. I—I I know I'm missing so many other people, but um, I feel like I just like weird stories.
0: <laughs> we all do. Yeah, we all do. Uh, God, there's just so many things there. I—it's I, all about you know when you're seeking out these people, it's—it's it's trying to find someone where you know you're—you're you're gonna extract their knowledge. You know, for me, I'm a stick skills guy, so I'm going to give them everything I know there. But then there's some intangible things, you know. I'm always reading, listening to a podcast, doing a podcast, and I talk about what I'm doing with the players. And there's a rapport, and it's been told to me by by several people, they they call it uh, stick therapy. <laughs> They're coming over for a little stick therapy. You know, where there's times where it's, it's, it's not the – skills that we're going to acquire, we, we might just talk about what's going on. You know, they're, they're getting, not getting the ice time or the opportunity that they were getting before. Um, uh, and it's, it's, it's all consistent. You know, everyone's, I just, uh, watched this show on, um, uh, HBO, um, on the Olympics and, uh, uh, Michael Phelps is narrating it and just talking about how, um, you know, you, you just assume that if someone wins a gold medal at the Olympics, that they're they're rich and, you know, they don't have to worry about anything. But if you really, I mean, watch it, I don't know the name. I can't remember it. Sorry, I had a glass of wine when I watched it, so I don't have a memory then. But, uh, you know, it it just, uh, you just have these assumptions that these people are, are so great, you know, and even in, uh, you know, playing in the NHL, you know, people assume that, everything's rosy for those people. They're, they're in the NHL. Well, guess what? We're all the same. We, we get sick. We, we have injuries. We, we fight with our parents, our spouses, our girlfriends, our fiance's and it's, it's all normal. And it's how do we navigate through that, you know, to, to continue to be able to participate in the, in the higher levels of, of this life experience. Um, and it, I, I just find that, you know, if, if you can, that's why I love reading so much Ram and, and listening to podcasts is because, you know, you can hear someone's life story in a few hours. Uh, I've learned a lot and I know that to do that, uh, repetitively, like if you want if you want to reach the highest peak in whatever sector it is, if you want to do it repeatedly, there is a, there is a, a a path that you have to follow. There is habits and a structure that has to be in place; otherwise, you don't have a chance. And that's what I'm trying to. That's what we're trying to do here: is trying to pass on what we've learned from others, and just to you know, if you want something, this is how you got to operate. And mm-hmm. you've done that, and you've made your mom and I and your younger brother better because of it. Uh, yeah, and you, you guys. Go ahead. Keep going. No, I was just going to say, when you, you know, started talking, to, you know, when nutrition became a part of your life uh, when you're at the University of Minnesota, there was a shift in our family where you were coming over and you're like, I'm not eating that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we changed. And because of that, I've I've lost 40 pounds, you know, and I've kept it off. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, this life journey is awesome. And I, I, I can't script it. I'm just, you know, in the in the passenger seat just taking it all in and loving what's going to come next
1: yeah i feel like honestly that that's why this is so amazing to be able to do this with you because i feel i know that you've said in this podcast or the last podcast that we did where you're like wow Ren, like thank you you never said that to me like you already said it in this podcast and i'm gonna say wow dad thank you, you never said that to me i guess like i didn't know that by me doing that coming home I didn't know that you kind of attributed you losing that weight to me. I didn't even know. I just kind of felt like <laughs> I always just think you're a really smart, intelligent guy that listens to people's journeys. I just kind of thought that you figured it out by yourself. So I think that's pretty cool that um, through my journey. I, I helped you on that. And yeah, it's so cool that we can kind of like share these, these things with each other. And again, just to say thank you to, to you and mom and Rhett too, but more so you and mom just for, as far as raising us as kids, I feel like, One thing that I can appreciate about myself, which I learned from you and mom, is work ethic. Um, Whatever you – I mean, you said that you were at the bar on Saturday and you did your thing then. I never would have got that from you um, growing up. You're one of the most dedicated guys I've ever been around. The way that you conduct yourself while having fun still in the same way with mom um, is something so amazing to see. And I feel so blessed that that just kind of became such a subconscious program because I was just surrounded all the time that I really don't know anything other than like do your best always and work really hard and have some fun along the way. Um, so I'm really grateful for that. And just also, um, you know, your guys' intelligence level, you guys, I, I look at you guys, as, you both as very smart people, just always introducing us to people, the different books, different things to kind of like look at life differently. So I just appreciate how you guys have parented us and helped us become who we are today. And, um, yeah, thank you. And, and one, I, I just wanted to quickly open up again, the, the mentor conversation, um, just as cause I feel like a, a large focus on like the podcast a little bit has been mentors and who I've like seeked out or different things that I went out and did or whatever. And I feel like it's just really important to, to note like the people that kind of like gravitated towards you when I kind of think about, you know, mentors and, and how it kind of takes, you know, form in different things. Like for example, um, you know, I I just look back at my hockey career and it was a really big time for me when I was at Shattuck, when coach John LaFontaine came up to me after one of our first practices and said like, Hey Rem, I really believe you're going to be a really good player on this team. And it kind of just happened. It's almost like, it's just weird how people just come up to you and they, it's just so nice for someone to take the time to do that. Or, or when I was in Muskegon, um, (laughs) After I had that really tough year in Waterloo, um, I, you know, I, I needed to have a good year. At the time, there were some talks that the University of Minnesota was going to maybe decommit me because <laughs> I didn't really have a good year at in Waterloo. And I felt like my year in Muskegon was just like a year for me to see if I'm still a good player or not. Um, and one of our first practices in Muskegon, um, I accidentally shot a puck at our assistant coach's head, like the Zamboni doors are right behind the net. And there was a glare on the glass where our coach, uh, Todd Robinson, was coming out. I literally like shot a puck right as he walked out and smoked him in the head. And like that moment on, they could have buried me, him and and Todd Krieger. They could have buried me, but they both like, hey man, like relax. You're going to be a really good player on this team. Like I know it was an accident. Like some people could get like really upset by that and like change someone's life. Like those people who just like make that extra effort um, to just, I don't know, just see you as you are, and I don't know. I think that's really cool. And just because more thoughts are coming to my head, like I think of an, another guy. Um,
0: Hold on, Casper. Hold on yeah. before we go to Casper. Um, who was the assistant coach that you almost hit? What was his name?
1: Todd Robinson. We call him T Rob.
0: T Rob. So one thing that I, I just that popped into my head here is that you've you've been a point guy um from a very young age where you're you're one of the guys on the team that is you know is going to get a lot of chances um but I wasn't that guy as a player and I I don't know how to to navigate through that and he I believe won the scoring title uh one year up in junior and yeah. that year in Muskegon you won the scoring title and I think that early on he was you know you leaned on him and maybe he saw something where he was sharing details on the pressures of that, because, um, you know, some of the things that we went through, I mean, I remember that, you know, it was maybe two weeks left in the season. You were 10 points up on the next guy and you were still saying, dad, do you think I can, do you think I can win this thing? You know? So it's, it's, I think that having him as a mentor that he went through, Winning the scoring thing, he helped you in the, in the, at the, at the end when things got really kind of more intensified for you.
1: Yeah. I guess all the little thoughts and games that we all play in our head, the stories that we tell ourselves. Yeah. Him and uh, T-Rob and and Todd Krieger, Kriegs and T-Rob. Yeah. They were, they were great for me. And I was, you know, that it's not at all to talk about that year specifically. It was more just like mentors can come in so many different shapes and sizes and different things. And, you know, you, you kind of opened the podcast again with, you know, talking about my proposal and engagement with Kayla, just how great this, you know, Kayla, uh, she's been a mentor for me, just for, just taking care of me just knowing that I'm weird. Like, for example, this, this year, this past season, um, I, I kind of had a little bit of like digestive issues. Um, I, I kind of got stressed out about a certain, some certain things. And I just feel like I wasn't digesting things as well. And my stomach was hurting all the time. And, We found out there's this doctor named uh, Anthony William, medical medium. You drink celery juice. And she was juicing celery juice for me twice a day, every day. And just making sure she was doing everything she could to make sure I could, you know, try to do my best to perform on the ice. And the list just goes on and on. Um, I don't know. I'm just, I'm I'm riding the grateful wave right now. And I guess one other person that pops in my head is is the Robert. just thinking back to Shattuck how, you know, It wasn't, it wasn't always the coach. It was, they let me live in their house for an entire year so I could go play hockey somewhere. Um, yeah. So I, I think, I think the message through this whole podcast is that, you know, find what you want to do, be a good person along the way and work hard and smart and surround yourself with, with those people and, and just be open to the opportunities that come to you, the people that believe in you, what your strengths are, um, yeah, it's, it's been a, definitely my story has been a weird one. And I hope that if anyone's feeling weird, you can take some sort of story that I said on this podcast and maybe connect it to your life and get you to the next step. So,
0: yeah. No, I like that. And, um, you know, there, there, there are so many factors that, that are along this journey. And, you know, one thing I got a question from Nicholas that, you know, Baraniski. Uh, we don't said have to say last. everyone's names. What happens if they're embarrassed by the question? They're, they're not, they're not. I know, but I don't know.
1: Like, I don't know if I'd want you to tell my name if I was asking a question.
0: <laughs> what, uh, just what, what does a, um, a typical day look like for you in the summer from a training perspective? Like, how, what training and just your whole day? Like, yeah. you get up and then when do you go to bed and all that? Yeah,
1: I know. I, I literally still watch like day in the life things of athletes. I, I still ask those same questions. So that is a good question. Um, I wake up every day at like six in the morning and, uh, I, I wake up and I, I get some water that's, I always hydrate in the morning. Um, and then I have these things called juve lights they're like red light therapy so i kind of just like take 10 minutes to stand in front of the lights and meditate or pray or just kind of like be with my thoughts and then um, i drive over to um, your guys' house mom and dad's house and that's probably around you know I, my routine in the morning is like a little bit slow so i wake up at six i kind of start heading over to your guys' house around seven and then um mom rhett and i we watch video downstairs for about 40, 30 to 40 minutes. Um, we watch in the shooting room. We just watch, uh we watch eyes past games from the last year or even years prior Or we watch um, players that we want to kind of learn something off of to see their habits or how they play. Um, we watch, you know, other players and then we'll sometimes, you know, also we'll watch, like there's this like YouTube profile called Hat Trick Kane that literally has for every season, like all goals scored by a certain player. And it's not like a, like I feel like you can like search in um, Connor McDavid goals, and there's so many highlight reels on YouTube. It takes like 30 minutes to get through his goals. This account is really good because it's like clipped perfectly. It's like the least amount of time, but it shows all their goals. So that that's just one little thing that I like. Is that a paid service? <laughs> no, it's just a YouTube profile. The guy. I don't, okay. What a what a beauty. He just like <laughs> what a good guy. Just has it all clipped perfectly so you can watch it so we just kind of like go with the flow with what we want to watch obviously there's an intention with it like we want to learn and grow from our mistakes our good things and watching other players and goals and all these different things so we're watching video then after we watch video we just we use our space downstairs that you have where you do private lessons um and we just we shoot we pass we stick handle you know mom with her gymnast background um she's been helping me out with a few balance things with um, just different activities that she has that she felt she feels are important as, you know, how she sees athletics with her gymnastics background. Uh, we do that until about nine o'clock. Then we get in the car, we go skate at uh, 930. We go skate. Um, and then after that, we uh, will we'll come back home and we have a, a guy, Mike Duffy, a trainer here in Minnesota that does work. We do workouts at our house. Uh, I've been ex- exploring and experimenting with some more martial arts, Muay um, Thai and Jiu Jitsu, And then we, um, he's actually a Mike Duffy, not to speak too fast. Mike Duffy is a, um, he has education from the Czech Institute, Paul Czech. Um, so I feel like that was the main reason why I, I hired him. Cause I like that, uh, that common language, that knowledge that he has. So he runs me through some of Paul's workouts. Um, and, and some of those workouts are kind of like really easy to access in like a $19 book. A really good book is how to eat, move, and be healthy by Paul Czech. So we're just, yeah, we do my workout and then kind of I go home, I have my lunch and then the rest of the day is kind of just random stuff that I go with the flow, um, organization, going out in Wysetta because we have an apartment here in Wysetta and it's just kind of like chilling or getting a few random things done before dinner and then after dinner, uh, my fiance and I will chat, go for a walk again or do whatever and go to bed around 9 or 10 and wake up and do the same thing.
0: And that's all summer long.
1: Yeah, I, mean, I guess maybe one thing that yeah, and one thing that I should add is that you know during that time from lunch to to dinner, like what, random things, I feel like more times than more times than not, I'm always hopping on a uh, a call with a, whether it's a coach or just different things like talk about stuff. <laughs> Kayla would be like, "Rem, you forgot that you're on call every day," so I probably should add that in there before she says you're lying to the, to the audience. So I feel like I'm, I'm always on a call. Um, you know what? I forgot. I always, I always do my 10, 15 minute nap. I I learned that off you, dad. You're always, you're, you're getting your power naps. And so I definitely took notice of that and a nice little energy burst after a hard workout training day is always good. So that's, that's pretty much my day every day, Monday through Friday. Um, yeah.
0: That's awesome. Um, all right, we're just going to keep going. Um, So you got to be very focused and it's, yeah. we call it rinse and repeat, you know, yeah. you're just moving the needle forward a little bit each day. And, you know, when you get to the level that you're at, um, uh, you know, the, the, you don't notice the gains that you're making there, you know, a lot of times it's unnoticeable. You, you go do whatever training you're doing and you don't, Think you don't see anything that jumped out at you and say, "Holy cow! I just got a lot better right now," but you know that that's part of the process, and you just do it. Um, what is what's too much, Rem? You know, I've, I've had that's been a consistent question from uh, parents because there's so many trainers out there. You know, people like me on ice, off ice. You know, yoga, this, that. Uh, what what's too much? You know, I I know that when, you know, you guys were doing uh, AAA in the summer, we would end our season, uh, which which would start right after the winter season ended. Uh, Sometimes it would even before it ended. But then we would go hard until from March until the uh, second week in June. We ended up uh, in Winnipeg, second week in June. I think it's called the North American Classic. And then we took two months off. Uh, we, you know, when you're really young, I think we had, uh, we get an hour of ice with, uh, you know, kids that you played with in the winter and we would do skill stuff for a half an hour. And then an hour, a half an hour would be just pond, you know, scrimmaging or whatever. But, uh, how important was the cabin to you? Cause we, you know, Wait, are, we, are, you. We, are we asking,
1: are we asking, are we asking are, am I answering the question? Or am I talking about the cabin?
0: I'm well, I'm just saying that, you know, I needed a break from coaching and, you know, we kind of, you know, put rules in place that you're not going to skate during this time and you wanted to, there was a lot of, you know, when you were really younger, younger, you didn't want to take the break after Winnipeg. You wanted to keep skating, but we forced you. Um, Now looking back at that, you know, like I said, I got a lot of people that are like, you know, what, how much is, you know, how good can you get in a day? Because they just find that they're, Their days are just so consumed and, you know, there's still other things that are being offered to them that they're not participating in. You know, where do you draw the line?
1: Yeah. Um, to be honest with you, I don't think there's a real answer that like is a one size fits all. I think that's kind of why I was already asking questions to you about that fine balance between your feel versus like being old school. And I, I feel like I still navigate that question. Like what is enough? Um, I think that, you know, that's, <laughs> that's something that I saw you and mom, some like watching you guys, how hard you work. Like sometimes I'm like, do these people even know what's enough? <laughs> so yeah. I, I don't even know. I I don't think there is really an answer other than I think you got to kind of develop that relationship with yourself where like you just kind of know, and that's based on certain experiences. Um, but my, my philosophy right now is that um, I think I always like, I like this quote, the most important thing is to not forget the most important thing and how I structure my day. That's kind of, you know, a good question by Nicholas. Um, I based on my experience, different uh, players that I've talked to and studying kind of like the brain and hormones and different things, that, not to get this too scientific or crazy. I structure my day intentionally that I like to get the most important stuff done first. Um, and that, and that's part of what you told me as a, as a kid dad, just how like, your day can have a weird way of all of a sudden you get distracted and you're like, wow, how did I not get that done? So I I like to have my stuff done by around noon or one. And that's why I I get up, I get outside I drive and I'm outside with the, I have a sunroof on my car, but uh, I get outside moving my body nature. um, And then I'm watching my video. I'm doing my off ice reps at home and then I'm getting on the ice and I'm working out because I know first and foremost, right now, it's very important for me to, um, dedicate my time to hockey because that is my profession. And also I think one of the other really important things is is to be healthy. And I think that I'm kind of always making sure I, I get the real important things done first. And I know that if all of a sudden I stop during the day, like I don't even know how to like fully answer the question. I just think that you should be able to know that you've done enough by like, I don't know, like noon or one, but everyone has different rhythms. So there really is no, there is no one right way. And I think that's really important to, um, like I said, develop that feel with yourself. But going back on all the the wisdom that you've said to me that like get in front of the people who've been there and done that, because not everyone you you can't do it alone. And that's why it's important to have another ear to listen to you and like you share your experience and then they can say, oh, this is what I did and this is what I discovered. So then they can kind of help guide you to what might be your truth, if that makes sense. I don't know if I really answered the question, but that's kind of like that's what I feel right now.
0: It certainly did. And, you know, um, like we, I talked talked about earlier is that we're trying to identify if, if hockey's your deal, what are all the puzzle pieces that you should yeah. be aware of that you can be implementing? Um, and then it's up to you. How many of those puzzle pieces do you want to implement? Yeah. Like and, just people, the, and just to go. Sorry. Go. No, go. no. I'm, I'm, you go ahead.
1: No, I was just going to go back to the cabin cuz I was just thinking about how you kind of asked how important the cabin was. And uh, Paul Cech uses a term in some of his teachings he calls it concept shifting and it's like when you are getting like bored or burnt out with a certain subject that like you know you got to be working on like do something that is not that same subject but it's like complementary to that subject so you're actually like working towards that thing without actually working on that thing. So what I think the cabin was was a way for us to get better at hockey without knowing we were getting better at hockey. And, you know, we were surfing. That's a different way of being athletic and doing certain things. Like, I, you know, that's just one small activity that we did. But I, I think that's what the cabin provided for us. It was, it was a concept shift. It allowed us to get us away mentally from, like, the direct environment of hockey. But I feel like so much of what we were doing for fun without even knowing it was, like, getting us better at hockey at the cabin.
0: And, you know, you guys didn't play any other organized sport probably after 9, 10 years old. Besides hockey, we introduced you to baseball, soccer. You know, um, but I consider you multi-sport athletes because yeah, of the cabin, because the wake surfing, oh, so trampoline, amazing. and the, the yard games and all that stuff. Uh, basketball and in, in the driveway, and that's you know we we had that break. I got I got to get a break from a coach. Mom got to have a break from. Being in the hotel room with you guys in tournaments all the time while I was in the bar. Yeah, but she was just, she was just, (laughs) yeah,
1: but she, she didn't get her break from cooking. She was cooking five star meals every day, but I know. um, No, I I get exactly what you're saying. Um, We are, we are getting close to kind of getting long now, but I feel like one, one thing that me being a listener of many podcasts, I don't like when my questions don't get answered. So I know that you talked to a few people that had questions today. I need to take a chill and not, Elaborate on every answer, but I want to get those questions answered just in case I provide some good knowledge for someone. Um, so let's just have the questions asked. Right, we're going to get, just, uh, get through them as fast as I can.
0: Good. And then we're going to do like three. Um, let's see. We got Chad done. Oh, I want Chad. What, what is it like uh, playing for? An original six team as an yeah, it's, NHL it's,
1: player. It's really cool. Um, I think it's different having played for Montreal. Um, just it, it's it's like where it all began. It's more than an original six. Like it is where hockey like got on the map. So I think it's very special. And I was in like a a health food store one time, and I got recognized. Like <laughs> it, that's not really <laughs> the environment to get recognized as a hockey player. So I don't need that. I don't really care about that. But it's just like. Um, I think it's cool um, that the the whole culture is really cool. So,
0: Yeah. All right. So you went to – you played three years at Shattuck St. Mary's. Uh, Why did you choose to go there instead of playing high school hockey? uh, Why is that Um,
1: Because it's just for people who know there's so many different paths in hockey, different leagues, different rules, different things. Um, A big thing for me was – when you play for Wyzetta, that's Minnesota high school hockey, and you only play like in Minnesota. Shattuck, you get to play like nationally against the entire country. So I felt like I wanted to expose myself to the entire country um, instead of just staying in Minnesota. Both are equally as good leagues, but that's just what I felt like I wanted to do at the time.
0: You touched on it a little bit, but I want you to dive a little deeper. But what was it like playing for the University of Minnesota?
1: Yeah, dad, just continuing to ride this gratitude wave, so many, so many people, it's just crazy when you really think back on a journey or anything in life, just how many people played such an important part. Um, Coach Bob Motzko is popping in my head and he's still the coach of the the Minnesota Gophers. And um, yeah, I just remember my junior year, um, you know, the personal success wasn't there, the team success wasn't there. And I went in at Christmas time to kind of just ask him a few questions and um as a player you, you never really know what day you're going to get a coach or um i should say what day a coach is kind of on you know some how's his mood all those different things kind of go through your head but you know sometimes as a player you just you want to go in there and ask for something or ask his opinion on something and um you know not every coach is always receptive uh my experience with bob was he was always super patient with me a great listener and um uh, you know i never really felt uncomfortable around him so i really appreciated that and i know that um, when I was playing for the Minnesota Wild, Bill Guer- Bill Guerin, uh, the general manager there, had told me a big reason why they had grabbed me was because of uh, Coach Motzko putting in a word for me. Um, so just, he was really um, a major component of me achieving one of my dreams of um, you know playing in the NHL and after my junior year I had signed. And a big reason why I had some success my junior year was because of you know not only my teammates, but Coach Bob Motzko. So I'm really grateful for that. And then also another dream, playing for my home team, the Minnesota Wild. Bob had a huge hand in that as well. So really just uh, appreciate him. And, uh, yeah, he's popping in my mind. Um, so, yeah, really grateful.
0: Next question is, at what age did you make the biggest jump as a hockey player?
1: Um, I, I think when I went from my first year junior to second year junior, I, I grew a little bit, not that the size, like, changed everything but it it just it felt a little bit different and then i had um a little bit more success that second year in junior and in junior is it's different it's when you have a little bit more success in junior it's different than having success as a youth player so i think it kind of just furthered my confidence myself to know that okay I'm, i'm playing in the USHL, i did pretty good um i'm a little bit bigger i'm not as small as i once was not that i'm Really big player now, but I felt like I wasn't like you know I played at Shattuck with Jordan Green when he was six three when I was five one, so it was a little bit different then uh, yeah. I think that was a that was a a good year for me for sure.
0: All right, last question: what uh, What's the best advice that you can give uh, to a, to a player to improve their hockey sense?
1: Yeah, isn't that the, the buzz phrase? Hockey sense: Can you improve it? Can you not? So many different opinions on that um what comes to my mind honestly right away is play with your head up and um i think that that's so much of what you taught us as kids you played a physical style as a player when you were in the nhl and you knew that you know that type of player was never going away and you you realized early on that rhett and i didn't really want to play that style and um you wanted to protect us so so much of your teachings was how to keep your head up because you literally made a living by know, hitting guys when they bobbled the puck and had their head down. And so I I would say, and and just to kind of think about me as a player, when I, you know, play with certain guys, line mates, the first kind of quality that I want is, are they a good passer? Because to me, that represents IQ. And I think IQ really does come from being able to see the ice and guys who can, you know, have to look at the puck the whole time. um, You know, they can see more with their heads up and looking around different things like that. And that's so much of what you taught us as kids. And, you know, that's why I've I've done your drills my whole life. As I said already already earlier on this podcast, um, I have spent my whole life in that basement and, you know, we still do sessions, you, Brett and I every week. And so I'm super grateful for that and your connections there. And also just like your honesty and transparency and kind of like lack of competitiveness, but more rather like collaboration over competition, just um, connection, different things like that. You know, there was a time in our life where you literally you literally said to Rhett and I, like, hey, like I I only know this so much. Like I was a certain type of player, and um, you know, just speaking specifically when Rhett and I had started working with Otsi, you just said, Hey, like, you know, I, I've kind of given you a lot of what I know. I, I'm sure it'd be helpful for you guys to you know really go to the to the top and find, you know, potentially a trainer that is maybe the one of the best who's ever done that, and that's Adam Oats, who you know is a Hall of Famer and and teaches a lot of the same principles just in his own way based on him, you know, making a living off of his skills that way. Um, So just really appreciate your openness and lack of competition. You you know, you know, you know, you know a lot and you can help a lot of people, but sometimes there's a little bit more out there. And and when a player is ready for that, you know, it's time to go seek out that, that different knowledge. So just, yeah, I I think that's what's coming to my mind is playing with your head up and then also just, you know, playing games. Um, I think, kind of when you're in competition and you're not just like doing a drill, there's certain instincts that come out when you play more games. So I would just encourage getting more reps. And then lastly, watching video. Um, I just think it's really important to develop your own lens on how you see the game. You know, coaches and a lot of different people, they all watch games and that's how they develop their lens and get opinionated because they watch so much and they recognize patterns and they see things their own unique way. And I think it's really important as a player to Really watch a lot of hockey to develop your own lens and develop your own opinions. Um, so those are kind of like the three components that I think of: how do you improve your hockey sense? You know, playing with your head up, uh, playing playing games, letting those instincts come out from the games, and then watching watching video. Yeah.
0: Awesomeness. So you mentioned a lot of people uh, that you work with that you've uh, you know brought on as your team. Uh, I'm going to try to put as many of those uh in the description if people wanted to learn more uh Adam Oates Paul check uh Benny Pont uh you know you just Troy Casey we can go on and on but we'll put that, those in the description for everyone and then as well as uh hockey trainers as well that you guys have been um uh, in front of so anything else remember that we got to no. get out here yeah, for I this think- episode
1: I'll I'll send you the links um, too, just because it probably is important. I mean, these these people are all still working, and yeah, that, they're people that people can get a hold of. Um, I, it's not even necessarily about my mentors, though. It's more so the point. I think that the theme is Mark Messier's book. No one wins alone, and you 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 can't do it all yourself. You know that's why you know it's a team. We're all we're all in this together. We're all helping each other. So don't think that you can do it all by yourself. You know, ultimately you got to be the person that goes out there and does whatever you want to do, but don't be naive and think that you can't do it with, with the help of other
0: people. Yes. Well, thank you, my boy. Um, everyone out there. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. Um, you know, if there's some questions that you would like uh, asked the next uh, episode that we get together with Ram, Rhett, or Lisa and all, all of us, uh just ask him on online there uh and we'll uh try to get him answered for you in a future episode but this is awesome remember thank you for hanging out uh on a saturday now i'm i'm sure you want to get out to the lake and get a little uh outdoor time yeah i will this was great dad thanks
1: it was really fun to talk so i hope that someone learns something but but like i said still kind of like figuring out what the voice sounds like because it's, it's hard to, you know, dip into – it shouldn't say it's hard, but it's just interesting to dip into you and I are just having a conversation just like father-son and we're just, like, talking versus, like, we actually could help someone with a little bit. So it's – that fine balance, it's great. I
0: love it. Thank you. Awesome. All right, man. We'll uh, do this again uh, real soon. Have a good uh, rest of your night. Hi to Kayla. Yeah, love you. Love you too. Well, that concludes another episode of the Hockey Journey Podcast. I can't thank you enough for stopping by and listening. I hope you enjoyed Part 2 of the Pitluck Family Hockey Journey. If you did, and you think there's someone in your circle of family and friends that might like this episode as well, please share it with just one person, as it will really help me in growing this hockey community. Again, I appreciate you being here. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, or submit a review. I hope to see you back here soon, and do me a favor. Make someone close to you smile today. All the best, my friends.